Traders Point, how are we doing? Hey, so good to be with you, everyone here at Northwest, at the campuses, watching online. So good to be with you on this Memorial Day weekend. And we just want to kick things off today by taking a moment to show some honor, some respect, and celebrate all the men and women who have given their lives to serve our country, an ultimate sacrifice. Incredible. And uh, also just want to take a second and acknowledge the fact that this will be uh, my last sermon before I go on sabbatical. Okay, so this is uh, the last one. I say that for two reasons. One, it's going to be a long time before I preach again. So go ahead, send the message to who you need to send it to. Let them know you're not going to make it to lunch. All right, it's going to be a long one up here today. (laughs) Kidding, kidding. I got to get out of here. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, No, but I also say it... um, because this past you know, couple of weeks, I've been looking back on the past you know, seven or eight years of all the things I've gotten to do here while serving, and it's been unbelievable. And uh, one of the things that really stood out to me as I was thinking back over the years is, you know, I started here pretty young. I, uh, about two weeks after my 24th birthday is when I came on staff and got right into it. And as a minister, you know, you do a lot of different things like hospital visits and you show up in really vulnerable places, not knowing what to say, how to say it, uh, what you can provide in this moment. But a lot of times you're the person that's there at the end, you know, and you, you pray with them and you hear from them and you just try to do everything that you can. And, and as you can imagine, sometimes those are really tough moments, really hard moments. Um, but I was thinking back to a hospital visit that I went on and I, I went to visit uh, this woman who was in her late 80s. Um, and I get to the room and her family's on the outside of the room and they're kind of weeping a little bit. And they're just like, hey, um, it's they, we're, looking, we're not looking at weeks. We're looking at hours, days maybe um, of how long she has. And then they said, but you can go on in. And I walk in and, you know, you're trying to figure out what are you going to say? How do I help alleviate some of the, maybe the fear, or the worry? And uh, I start talking to her and she begins to alleviate the, the worry for me. And we start talking a little bit. And I said, well, hey, <laughs> this has been unbelievable. Um, how can I pray for you? And this was her prayer. And I, and I promise you, it is, it's stuck with me over the, you know, the past seven or eight years. She said, um, can you pray? Can we pray right now for the next generation? She said, can, can we pray that you and your generation, that they keep going, that they keep, that they're obedient to God, that they spread the gospel, that they don't give up. I know it's hard out there, but I'm telling you, it's worth it. And we prayed for the next generation. If you can imagine, some of you have been around people on their deathbed. That is not a normal prayer. That is not a normal mindset. But that's where her mind went. And that's what we prayed for. And I walked out of that room and I've been living with it ever since. Like, that's the kind of life I want to live. That I want to finish well. I want to be in such a spot that I know I've went through my whole life. I gave it everything I had. And at the very end, I'm still looking back saying, what ground are we going to take next? How are we going to keep going? How can I keep praying to God that he would send more workers? Is that not a life that you want as well? A life where, where you are faithful to the very end, that you finish well with people you love sitting around you. I was like, that's, that's it. But what is it? that stops us so often from living that life? What is it that gets in the way of us being able to have that vision for others and wanting the best for them? What is it that that takes us down, right? 
You know, that's what we've been looking at in this series, uh, Achilles. And what we've been saying is that we all, humanity, we have this Achilles heel with us, and it's called pride. Pride is this thing that, that pushes us. Pride is this thing that keeps us going when we have no business going. Pride is what's creating these systems and these ways of life where so many people are getting taken down. You know, that, that's, that's, that's a lot of, of, of what I do. You know, people ask me, sometimes it's comical, um, but they'll ask me, you know, what do you do? Um, and I'm like, oh, I, I do this. You know, I, I work at the church. And I'm like, no, 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 during the week. I'm like, yeah, still that. Um, I had one guy when I was working downtown, he came up to me and he, we're talking, you know, sipping some coffee. And he was like, so what do you do? And I was like, yeah, man, I, I do this. Um, and he's like, no, no, no. What do you, what do, you do for, for like money? And I was like, yeah, man, um, that's what I do. And he was so surprised. He cussed in the middle of the lobby. And he was like, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I just really, I didn't think this was a full-time gig. And I was like, wow, so glad to be talking to you today. Um, what more can we talk about? Uh, but it, a lot of what I do, um, unfortunately, is that I'm the second person to find out. When something has gone wrong, when someone's life is falling apart, when someone has stepped out, whenever there's a moral failure, I'm the person that gets called and I sit on the other side of people and I get to hear about what happened. And I get to hear how they went further than they ever thought that they would go. I get to hear all of the parts of how they just seemed like they blacked out. They didn't know what was going on, but now they're in this space where there's just pieces and they wanna hand me over the pieces and want me to put it back together. Just please put it back. Can you fix it? Can you make it better? And you know, sometimes God does incredible things and pulls things back together. But other times, you know, people really have to live with those consequences of what happens. But what is that? Is what I've been looking at is why are those stories more and more common? Like you're not a pastor, but, but chances are people that you love, people that you are in relationship with, you're having more of these conversations of people that uh, you never thought would do what they're doing, of, of marriages that are falling apart that you never thought would fall apart. And you're like, what is this? And what we've been looking at is, is that it's pride. That there's this, this, this inner voice that, that just keeps driving us and pushing us faster and faster at a speed that we cannot contain, that we cannot keep up with. But I don't know about you, but I don't want to live in that world. I don't want to live in the world where that's normal, where that's common, where people get burned out left and right, and we just see bodies drop all around us. I want to be a different kind of people. I want to be a different person. I want to be known by a different kind of love. I want to move at a different speed where everyone is racing and flying and burning out left and right. I want to be the one walking slowly but steadily all the way until the end to finish well. Is there anybody with me that wants that kind of a life that is tired of seeing so many of the people we love and care for fall and to stumble? And it really started to point out to me when I was looking at this Achilles series and I looked at, you know, how do, you know, Achilles tears and ruptures happen? What is it about it? And I thought it spoke brilliantly, not just to our ankles, but to our whole lives as well. It says an Achilles tendon rupture is a complete or partial tear that occurs when the tendon is stretched beyond its capacity. 
stretched beyond its capacity. Now, I've never had an Achilles tear, but growing up playing basketball, I messed up my ankles all the time. And one time was the worst. Um, and I believe it was called an avulsion fracture, all right? So this is where I jumped up to get a rebound, came down completely on the side of it. And what happens is the tendons wrap so tightly around the bone that pops it right off. There's so much pressure that it's brought to a place beyond its capacity and then it shatters. And I just wanna ask like for you today, are there parts of your life where you are feeling that tension, where you are stretched beyond your capacity? Like there's different areas of your life, but you feel like you're at the breaking point and you just feel that pull and pull and pull and you're wondering how long is it going to be like, I can't live like this. And it's only a matter of time before that tension builds up, before you keep moving at that speed that you're moving at, doing the things that you're doing, that pride will not let you stop until you snap. These rubber bands are the strongest rubber bands. I thought last service was a fluke. That was not. Whoever ordered these, uh, great job, I can promise you. Goodness gracious. You'll break a lot easier than that rubber band, all right? Don't put it to the test. But what we wanna look at today is this unbelievable invitation from Jesus. This invitation where he looked out upon a group of people just like us who were running at a speed that they could not possibly sustain, carrying a weight that they had no business of carrying, and they were crumbling underneath the weight of it until Jesus steps in and he offers something new. He, he offers a new way, a, a new speed, a new focus, something that will actually deal with the restlessness within us, something that can give us a true rest, all right? And we're gonna pick up with Jesus in Matthew chapter 11. Um, if you have a Bible, you can go ahead and flip there. It'd be Matthew chapter 11, starting in verse 28. But this is what Jesus said. Then Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. It's an incredible invitation, an incredible alternative to the pace and the rate that we're running at. Our God offers us rest. And to go as easy as say, for my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. And maybe yoke is a word that stands out to you. Like, I don't even know what that is. Uh, same, grew up on the west side of Indy. We didn't have a lot of yokes. We had a lot of guys that were yoked, but that's a whole different conversation. Um, yeah, but uh, this is a yoke. And here's what it was. It, it was a, a tool that was used for livestock, really. And what you would have is a lot of times you would put an oxen on each side of this. And you put them there and they would help carry the load of doing the work, right? You put them in there and they would carry it and they would make the job easier. That was the yoke. 
But this was also a term they began to use not just for yoke and livestock and oxen. Uh, there became another phrase that was used a lot of times and it was called the yoke of the law. The yoke of the law. But same kind of idea here, same kind of premise. What would happen was the religious leaders of the time, they were giving people a yoke to, to, to follow them. They were giving them this, this set of rules, the, the ways to live. And the idea was that it was actually supposed to help carry the load. It was supposed to help them navigate through life. But what was happening was this yoke was crushing them. It was a religious yoke and, and what it was doing was it was trying to drive them to perfection. That was the goal of it. That's what all the rules, that's what all the laws, everything that was laid on top of them, it was to deal with the same thing that we're dealing with today of this inner turmoil, this inner tension of this want to be perfect. This inner thing that we don't even know what to do with, that we wrestle with all the time, that enough never seems to be enough. That when we land the thing that we thought would do it, it, it never seems to go away. This was to address those things. And it was just crushing people. This yoke of the law. And the important thing that to start out with is to recognize that you already have a yoke. It may not be a religious yoke, that you've grown up with, but there is something that you have found. There is something that you have teamed up with, you on one side, and you've said, if I have this over here, it is going to help me drive forward. It is gonna help carry the load and it is gonna help me reach perfection. It is going to satisfy me and my soul and my worries and my fears. And as long as I have this, I know that I'm going to be okay. And the problem is, that anything outside of Jesus, anything that we yoke ourselves to and with is going to take us at a speed and it's gonna make us carry a weight that we were never designed to carry. That when you look out and you see things and you see people begin to, to, to fall and you see these moral failures, you see all these things that go on. If you look at the speed of their life, and if you look at the things that they were carrying, and if you look at the things that they were trying to do to justify themselves, it was only a matter of time before they snapped. And Jesus sees this back then, and he saw it back now. It was just people just running and running and running and going and going and going and grinding and grinding and grinding. And what you see is just a people moving at a speed that they were never meant to live at. That's why I love this book um, I read last year called uh, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. And that's what you'll see. That when you see that your life is yoked to something other than Jesus, it will exhaust you. It will wear you down. It will bring you to a constant state of hurriedness, right? And he does this uh, brilliant job of, of listing 10 symptoms of hurry sickness. Like as we're evaluating this and wondering like, what am I yoked to? Is it Jesus or something else? I, I want us to just go through these one by one. There's 10 of them. And then at the end, like treat this like a doctor visit. Take a look at these, take a picture and say, how many symptoms do I have? Because what we'll find on, on this, the symptoms of the, the sickness, these things are not from God. These are popping up because we are yoked to something that we should not be. We are believing a lie that we should not believe. So take a look at these. 10 symptoms of hurry, sickness, irritability. Like you just, you did wake up angry. 
Like you're angry at breakfast. Like that's a tough spot to be. You just woke up, you went downstairs, someone goes to cut into their, into their sausage and their knife hits the plate and it's like, eh, and you're like, oh, okay, I'm done. I'm going back. This is, what, what's wrong with, like you're just angry. Irritability, hypersensitivity. You could take anything and twist it to be against you. It doesn't matter what's going on. It could be somebody not even talking to you, but you're taking it on to yourself. There's a high sensitivity. You're not able to process things as they're coming through. There's a restlessness. You're hurried, you're moving fast, you're going 90 miles an hour, 24 hours a day. And you would think that that would help you sleep better, but you're restless, you can't turn it off. You can't stop striving, you can't, can't stop trying. Workaholism, nonstop activity. That's a symptom. There's something that is telling you if you work more, then it's gonna deal with the pain that's going on inside. If you just do it a little bit better, if you just get a little bit more, if you get one more promotion, then those voices will stop. Then this yoke won't be so heavy. Workaholism, emotional numbness. You're like a zombie. Big things are happening all around you. There's stuff going on with your friend groups and your family and at work, but you're just like unmoved by anything. It's like, why can't I feel anything? Out of order priorities. And here, here's what we mean by this. Like if you sat down today and on a piece of paper, someone said, hey, write out the things that are most important to you, your top priorities. And you would write those down. I'm sure you wouldn't have a problem doing it. But then if you overlaid those with your schedule, and if you overlaid that with how much time and resources you're actually pouring into those things, they would be out of whack. You're spending a whole lot of time in areas that you shouldn't and you're neglecting other ones. A lack of care for your body. This is a huge one, right? Because as you begin to kind of try to maintain and you're moving at this speed and you're trying to do a thousand things that you shouldn't be doing, you will neglect yourself first. And you'll stop going for walks and you'll stop working out and you'll stop eating the way that you should be eating. Escapist behaviors. This is what you'll see with a, when someone is really hurried and rushed and being pulled in a direction they shouldn't be, that there's these escapist behaviors. And, and obviously that has to do with, you know, you could escape through, you know, alcohol or drugs, but it's also, you just need to get away from what you're focused on, what you're dealing with. So you, you'll find yourself just falling down and turning on Netflix for hours at a time, just, just escaping to a different world. You'll find yourself scrolling. As soon as you get done doing the thing that's killing you, you, you just go immediately to social media and just scroll and scroll, looking at people you got no business looking at, not even just scrolling, escaping to a different world. Slippage of spiritual disciplines. This one will begin to take the back seat. If there's anything other than Jesus driving, who's constantly gonna be saying, hey, look more like me, be more with me, sound more like me. But if it's anything else driving, it's muting this. It's stopping this. It's saying that's not that important. What you really need to focus on is this thing right here. So you stop praying, you stop meditating, you stop reading your Bible, you stop going to group. And then finally, isolation. Pride has this uncanny ability to isolate you. To, to distance you from the group of people that you are with and get you alone, where you begin to think you're the only one that's struggling like this. You're the only one that is wrestling like this, that no one would understand and you don't even really wanna be around other people anyways. So you stop sending out invitations to hang out with your friends and family and you stop accepting and receiving them as well. Like these are some symptoms. If you're looking at, hey, what am I yoked to? Is it Jesus or is it something else? 
Just take a look at this and know these are not from God. Like this is not what God is calling you to. That if this is there, this should not be normal. But I'm guessing if you're anything like me, you probably have some of these symptoms. So take a picture of it. And then this week, circle. What symptoms are you seeing? How are you doing right now, just off top? Five out of 10? Seven out of 10? Anybody get a perfect score? 10 out of 10, huh? What Jesus mentions twice in this hurry, in this speed, in, in this pride that will make us move at a rate that we can't sustain, carrying a load we were never meant to carry, that's what we'll see. And what he mentions twice is, is, is what he's looking to offer is he's come to me, all who are weary and, care, and I will give you rest. I'm humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. If you're looking for the solution to hurriedness, it's rest. So I just wanna ask you like, what are you doing for rest? And usually where this conversation begins and ends is with sleep. Ah, I could use a nap. Oh, if, I could get, if I could just get a few more hours of sleep at night, uh, how much you get now? Oh, two and a half. Yeah, uh, you should do more than two and a half. Um, you're not an elf, okay? You need quite a bit of sleep. But that is obviously, that is a part of rest and you should be getting as the, a lot of sleep at night and take naps when you can. But I'm talking about what do you do actively to put yourself in a place where you are resting, where you are being refueled, where you are being filled up. You know, I was, I was actually going through an exercise a couple weeks ago where we were working through this of like, hey, what are the things you do that fill you up? What is it that when you do it, when you get done with it, you feel better, you feel poured into, like people even notice, like you walk into a room, you don't even have to say anything, like he's doing good today. Hey, would you, would you go fishing today? Like it's just, it's just clear to people that there is something different about you. You have been refueled. And I was working through it. And the first thing that came to my mind when what fills you up, uh, I said, when I send my kids away. And it sounded horrible at first. Um, and maybe it still does to you. But I have a lot of, I have a lot of children, okay? Um, but it's not just that, okay? It's what happens afterwards. Um, and me and my wife, you know, kids go away. And it's Friday. We would... We've done this for like the past 10 years. We would order Chinese food and drink Sprite, okay? And some of you are like, I didn't know Sprite went with Chinese food. It doesn't. Um, but when we first got married, we used to order Chinese food from this, this spot and they would bring us our Chinese food and they would always bring us a two liter. And they would give it to us. We didn't order the two liter, but they would bring it to us. And I was so young and naive. I was like, they just really like us. Like, you know, I didn't want to say anything, but I did tip them, you know, pretty good. Uh, so I think we're friends. Me and him really hit it off. A couple times in, we start looking at the two liter because it looked a little old. It expired two years ago. <laughs> They're moving inventory. They're just trying to get rid of this stuff. But I still drank it because it's not like Sprite started good. It's not like it was in a good place <laughs> before it expired. So I still drink it. Um, but that fills me up. That is a great night for me to just eat Chinese food in the bed, drink Sprite, watch a movie. It's, it's great. I love playing basketball. Grew up in Indiana, love playing basketball. I can feel like a basketball, even when I don't have one, like I can feel it dribbling on the stage right now. And that was one of the things that came up. 
to just be in a gym. I don't want to play um, with you or with anyone. Um, I don't want to get hurt. You know, I don't need any more of those avulsion fractures. But uh, I love shooting and I love just the sound of the ball bouncing in a gym. That, that restores me. I love making coffee, like really making coffee. You know, where you get out and you grind the beans and you, you measure the water. You pull out the scale and you pretend like you actually understand the metric system. Uh, and you're doing grams and you're converting stuff. And I have worship music going on in the background. It fills me up. Reading God's word, not for a sermon, not for anything, but just to read it, it fills me up. Praying, it fills me up. This week, take a look at those things. What is it in your life that you could, what is it that fills you up? Sleep is on the list for sure, but what are those things that are unique to you that when you do them, you feel filled? You feel like you just got a jump start on the day and on, on the week. And a great way to house all of these is if we actually follow kind of this big idea that God has of a Sabbath, where it's a weekly rhythm built in, where you're, where you're not just sleeping all day, you are delighting and living in the presence of God, where you are reminded of all the things that he just brought you through and you're celebrating him like crazy. And then you save the best for these days. You make the big breakfast. You guys have great times playing games and enjoying life with one another. It is a beautiful rhythm together. So this week, as you took a picture, I'm sure all of you did of those symptoms. Look through there and say, what are those symptoms that I have? What's popping up? And then make a list of what are the things that fill me up? What are the things that I need to be doing? And then create a schedule to go do them. And I think you'll notice as you infuse these spiritual disciplines, as you infuse Sabbath, as you do things that fill you up, as you identify these things, these, this hurry sickness, you'll see that the more rest you infuse, the less symptoms you have, that the more and more things will come down and it'll become easier to identify what is it the thing that you're yoked to. It'll begin to stand out more and more of like, what, what is the thing that I'm using to justify myself? What is the thing that I'm looking to, to, to make me feel like I'm worth it? What is the thing that's helping me deal with this tension of wanting to be perfect, but never being able to land there? What am I following? What is helping me carry this load? What is it for you? You see, this is what Jesus was getting at whenever he goes and, and he goes against the religious leaders at the time. He talks about it over and over again in, in the gospels and they even call it out as the church is beginning to start too. But he contrasts what he offers, this, this light and easy, and he compares it to what the religious leaders are, are given at the time. And he says, they, he's talking about the religious leaders, they, they crush people with unbearable religious demands and they never lift a finger to ease the burden. Now this is in complete contrast to what Jesus is saying and what, what he would prove by saying that, hey, I will do everything. I will completely carry the load. I will do all that it takes and he's saying, but these people, they won't even lift a finger. They just lay the weight on you. And the problem with it is that there's weight. The demands are fine. The way of life is okay, but it's, it's a want without the power to actually be able to live it out. It's a want to do the right thing. You're reminded of all the things that you should be doing and you're not doing, that's great. But the thing that it's missing is the power to help that it can't even lift a finger to move it. This yoke is actually bringing you down when it should be the thing that actually helps you move forward. And nothing on the other side of the yoke with you can help you move that burden. 
It's only a matter of time before the weight drops. It's only a matter of time before that thing gets moving and pulling you in a direction that takes you further away from God and further away from other people. And religious there, it, the, meeting the religious demands, that could simply just be your effort to meet your needs. That if it's all on you, it is only a matter of time before that weight begins to crush you. And maybe that's what you felt kind of growing up, whether you were in the church or just on the fringe of church. And to you, that's what, that's what religion was. That's what it meant to come to church, that you came in, someone strapped a yoke on you and then you went off and it was just constantly yelling at you from behind saying, you're not doing it right. You are the worst, go faster, do it better. And you could never keep it. You could never hold on to it. And it was only a matter of time before you ended up just throwing it off and you kept going. But you're here today because you left and you went out there and you noticed that it's the same thing, just in a different packaging of what the world is offering. That it's still all on you. That it's still by your strength. That it's still, if you just work a little bit harder, if you just get a little bit more money. I know you're in this awkward phase right now, but I'm telling you, in 35 to 45 years, you will be set. And it's like, when does this thing end? You see, the beautiful thing is that Jesus offers a new yoke. He not only points to the problem to say that this is not working, he actually becomes the solution. You see, as whereas there was this yoke of the law, Jesus comes in and he says, I'm actually gonna offer you the yoke of the spirit, of my spirit. And if we could show another picture of, of the yoke, if you have it, this is what Jesus is saying, that from the beginning, humanity has tried to be yoked to anything that would help us, anything that would take the weight, anything that would, that would that give us just the slightest bit of hope and we would get yoked to it, but it never worked out. And this is what it looks like to be with Jesus and to follow Jesus. Jesus is saying, I'm gonna get in the yoke with you. That I'm not gonna give you a list of things to do without the power to do it. I'm gonna come in and I'm going to be yoked with you. Please think about this. The God of this universe is willing to say that he wants to be yoked to you. That if you're looking for what is it that is gonna take away this pain? What is it that's gonna alleviate this weight and this burden? What is it that's gonna move me at the right speed that I know I'm not living at? It is only when Jesus steps in and the yoke of his spirit is laid upon us. You see, without that, we're just dragged further and further in the wrong directions. But when Jesus steps in, he provides something that only he can provide. That's why he can say what he said. He says, come to me, all who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. This is what Jesus is coming to bring. And it is so different. And it's a pace that, that will feel counter to you of like that rest conversation. 
Like there, there, there's a lie that will begin to come when you begin to follow Jesus and you see things just flashing and going by you and you begin to move a little bit slower and talk a little bit sweeter and be a little bit more humble and a little bit more kind. The back of your mind's like, you are doing it wrong. You gotta keep up, you gotta move faster. You don't have time to rest. You don't have time to take care of yourself. And this is what pride will tell you, that taking care of yourself is selfish. There is nothing selfish about rest. There is nothing selfish about saying that you have limits. There's nothing selfish about saying that I need a break. There's nothing selfish about taking a moment and just being present and sitting still. You see, we are called to live in this yoke where we are gonna be pouring ourselves out, where we are gonna be serving other people, but we cannot give what we do not have. And what Jesus is providing here is like, I'm gonna give you an opportunity because I'm going to carry the weight that I'm gonna give you time to, and I'm gonna show you to work at a different rhythm and to live at a different speed. You see, because if we begin to live and to just keep going, to keep running as fast as we can, we, become to this, we come to this spot where we're empty. And you know what happens when you're empty? It's not only that you have nothing to give. When you're empty, you're constantly looking for something to take. And that is when pride has a field day. But what Jesus is saying is that I've come to give you a new yoke. A yoke that, that I had to do so much to make sure that you could get. And it's not just any yoke, it's not just words, but it's spirit. It's my spirit and it's my power that I'm going to give to you. You see, there's a reason we have this inner tension within us, this want to be good. And it's more than good if you're being honest, there's never a good enough. It's a drive to be perfect. That's because we were created to live in paradise. We were created to live hand in hand, close with God where he would be there and he would help guide us and walk us along the way. When sin came because of our pride and separated us from God, that is when we began to pull in all of these other things to help us along the way. And what Jesus does by coming to earth, by leaving heaven and living that perfect life, the one that we want to live, the one that we dream about living, the one that we constantly have the tension of falling short of, Jesus said, I'm going to live it and he did. And Jesus would live this perfect life and then he would go to a cross for me and you and he would die for us, die for us. And then three days later showing that he's not just giving words and to show that he's actually one that has the power behind the request, he would rise. Jesus would rise from the dead and come back and say, listen, all who are weary, all who just came stumbling in here, all who looking for a better way, all who are tired of falling short, all who are tired of failing and never feeling like you're enough, come to me. I will take that burden I already have. You can trust me. Look to the cross and you can know that I've already dealt with it. Trust me that I'll carry it. That our God would be willing to do all of this. That yearning that we feel, that restlessness that we feel, that want for more, it can only be found in Jesus, only in his spirit. It is the only thing that will fulfill. It is the only thing that will satisfy. It is the only hope we have of finishing well. 
in living the life that he has for us. And I wanna make something really, really clear. You know, it goes from the yoke of the law to the yoke of, of the spirit. But see this, we, we still have a yoke. You know, a lot of times we, we begin to follow Jesus. We get excited. God dealt with all the things that I used to struggle. He forgave me for all those things. And then he puts the yoke on us. Yep. And we get baptized and then we take the yoke off and we leave I'm like that was great. Now I'm going to go back and figure out how to really live my life. But what he's offering is still a yoke. It's it's light. It's easy, but it's light and easy because he's doing the heavy lifting. It only works when you get in there with him and you can hear it in the teaching where he says, come, I want to teach you. I want to show you what you're missing. I want to show you how to walk in a new way. I want to show you uh, that there is a way to do this thing where you don't get chewed up and spit out by this machine that just destroys everyone. I'm going to give you something different. It's very different, but you have to be really close to me. Let me teach you because as far as I can tell, there's no orientation in heaven. It starts right now. Like if you're wondering what is heaven going to be like, what will I, what will I be like? It starts right now where Jesus is bringing you to him, with him and saying, no, no, follow me. As I go, you go. As I step, you step. Then when you begin to follow Jesus, you begin to run and go as far as you can and he's holding you. And you're like, it feels like you're just running up against a wall and Jesus is like, that's not the way we do things here. This isn't an earthly thing. This is a heavenly thing I'm trying to show you. We walk slow. We move not in slowness. We move right on time. We move in a way that, you know, since I know that I designed you and I know how you live and I know what's best for you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk you and unlock that for you. And this is what it looks like to follow Jesus. That you are in, in a yoke with him that now that's the big difference. That as you begin to go into wherever you're going from here, whether it's school, work, family, home, whatever it is, now you're stepping into it with Jesus beside you. That all of those weights and all of that worry and all the things you were trying to do to justify yourself, to make sure that felt like you could fit in or that you could succeed, now you walk in and Jesus is like, nah, we don't do that here. Let me show you how to walk into this classroom. Let me show you how to approach the teacher. Let me show you, because now you're going to speak as if I was actually there. You're going to love like I was actually there. And you're not going to feel the weight of it, but you're going to be able to experience it because it's going to be me working through you. Is this not blowing anyone's minds that this is what Jesus offers us? That whenever you go into, now you go into your friend groups, and you see all of this gossip going around and you see people moving at all these speeds and all these unhealthy things going on around you. Before, you just jumped into the loop. You just followed and went by. But now you have Jesus walking with you and he's stopping you. And he's helping you call things out. And he's helping you show things within yourself that we can't have that here anymore because we're going to move at a different speed. We're going to talk in a different way. We're going to love in a different way. And it begins to just little by little, how you are as a friend, how you are as a parent, everything you're doing, now because Jesus has decided to yoke himself to you, it's as if he was there. That is literally our lives from here on out. What would Jesus do if he were me in this very specific situation? And I just want you to look at Jesus. And this week, go through a gospel and read the gospel, 
but not just for the words that he says, but for how he lived, the rhythms that he lived with, what he focused on, what he prioritized. It's amazing because he, it's not that he had less expectations. It's not that he had less demands on his life, but he lived in such a pure and healthy way. You know, I think a lot of times we can actually feel like we are the hope of the world in our little circles. He literally was the hope of the world. And he stayed constant and he stayed strong and he stayed true and he went through all of it. Look at the way that he lived, how he would slip away and find quiet, how he would pray, how he would always prioritize his relationship with God and how he still found himself around tables and in communities with other people, eating good food and living. You just look at his life and you're just like, I want that. And the amazing thing is like, that's what he's trying to give you. He wants you to live at this new speed. You know, the goals that we have, the metrics that we have of what success looks like, it's not working. And I love what Paul says in 1 Thessalonians. If you're looking for a goal to add to your life, what about this one? He says, make it your goal to live a quiet life. All of the introverts just celebrated silently. He's preaching now, this guy, he's good. Tell him, make it your goal to live a quiet life, minding your own business and working with your hands, just as we instructed you before. Then people who are not believers will respect the way you live and you will not need to depend on others. Like I know how big of a switch that would have to be to be able to come to a space where you've been running and gunning and living so hard and grinding for so long, to be able to say, what if a goal of my life was to live a quiet life? A, a life where I'm gonna have to retreat at times, where I'm gonna have to press pause on things, where I'm gonna trust that this speed that God is taking me at will take me away from a lot of things, but maybe it's not taking me away from it as much as it's saving me. What if God has something that he wants to show me and something to give me, but it can only be found at this speed, moving at this time? And what if we can come to that place? And I just wanna talk to someone here today that maybe you've come in with all of that baggage, all of that pain. You're still struggling with it right now and you are on the verge of snapping. You've been running so hard and maybe it's, it's externally, it's, it's, it's something secular, but maybe it's been in the church that you've been growing up with this idea of this thirst for God and this want for God, but you always seem like you're falling short. Please see this. Jesus wants to carry it for you. Jesus wants to be in it with you. And I just wanna read, um, there's this guy, Eugene Pat Peterson, who spent a good part of his life translating the whole Bible into, uh, and just into a, a modern language so that people could read it and really grip onto it and understand what the scripture is saying. And I think what he did with Matthew, the verse we've been reading over and over again today is just beautiful. But he says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. 
There's a rest here that Jesus is offering that's not going to come from another nap. It's not going to come from taking your time, making coffee or playing basketball. It is a rest of your soul. It is a rest that you can enter into today and for all of eternity. It is the only thing that will alleviate the burden and the weight. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. If there is something heavy or ill-fitting on you right now, please know that that is not of God. He did not put it there, but you might feel it because he's looking to get it out of there. Keep company with me. The God of this universe not only puts up with you, not only likes you, loves you, wants to keep company with you. And you'll learn to live freely and lightly. That's something you can step in starting, starting today. And we just want to know we're here. We just want you to know we're here for you. Online, we're here for you. At all of the campuses, we'll have people at the front of the stage right after service that would love to pray with you, talk with you about what it looks like to walk with Jesus, to be yoked with him and his spirit. And for me, you know, as I go into sabbatical, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to sit and to be with God, to learn these unforced rhythms of grace, to live a quieter life, to live a more fruitful life, to be able to just, just sit with God. And I'll tell you, it's a, it's a fear that I have. The closer I get to sabbatical, and it really came out first service when I was preaching, but you see, I came to Jesus and started serving Jesus at the same time. I immediately went into it. And I think there's a part of me, I don't think I know, that I've always strived to do the right thing. I've always tried and just thought, man, if I could be a little bit better, if I could do a little bit more, then I could alleviate the pain that other people feel. That they might be in a really hard time or some people really might hurt them, but if, if I could learn to live a little bit better and if I could love a little bit better and if I could be a little bit more perfect, I could take some of that weight. And if I'm being honest, I was serving too. I have that tendency of believing that if I just serve a little bit more, then, then I can also dust deal with the wrestlings that I have of, of wanting to be perfect and trying to justify myself. And there's something scary about going away for an extended period of time where you no longer have this stage and you no longer have hospital visits and you no longer have counseling sessions. You don't really have a way to justify the fact that God still loves you and he still wants to be with you. So I'm going to go and I'm going to sit in that. And I pray that God just evokes within me new things and new rhythms and new speeds. And I, I hope I, I learn to hear his voice a little bit better. And I hope I learn to, to walk like he walks and talks like he talks. And then I come back in, in a few months and I get to serve you out of an overflow for the next seven years. You know, growing up, um, I would stay at my grandparents' house a lot and uh, Every night we would be in the back room, me and my cousin and my grandpa would be in the front room watching TV and it was, it was clockwork. You'd hear the TV turn off. You'd hear him walking 
and you could hear him coming. He's a big guy. You could hear the, weight, the, the floor give way to his weight. And he'd get all the way to the door and he'd open it up and we'd pause the game. And he'd put his tongue on his lip and he'd say, if you boys don't mind, I'm gonna retire for the night. And we'd smile, he'd close the door. And with that, I just wanna say, if you, uh, if you don't mind, I'm gonna retire for the summer. But I just wanna take one more time here to just say that I'm very thankful. It's not missed on me what we have here and what you've allowed me to do and how you've allowed me to serve and how you've loved me and carried me through in a lot of ways over the past eight years. And I'm really looking forward to being with God. And I'm really excited. Lord willing in the creek don't rise to come back after the summer and to preach and to be able to serve you even better in these next seven years. Let me pray for you. God, we thank you so much for today. God, let it not be missed on us what you offer and how sweet it is, how good of a thing it is to be yoked to you, that what we have through your spirit is the power to do exactly what you would do if you were us. God, allow that to give us the confidence to walk a little slower, to talk a little sweeter, to have a little bit more courage and confidence. God, for all of us who are on the edge, who are at this, this breaking point, God, I pray that there would be a moment of surrender, that I pray that they would hear that you, what you say you mean. Come to me, all who are weary and tired, and you will give them rest. God, rest cannot be found outside of you, and especially not the rest you're offering. God, I pray that people could experience it. They could know your love and to know a relationship with you. God, we just, we just pray for that. We pray for your, for your spirit to, to just guide us, to lead us. God, allow us to finish well. Allow us to live a quiet life where we don't need to prove anything to anybody because we know who we are. We are your sons and we are your daughters. We are the ones that you deemed worthy enough to die for. We are the ones that you've decided to dwell within, that, that our bodies would be turned to temples of the living God. God, let nothing be missed on us. Jesus, you're an amazing, amazing God. We thank you for all things. It's in Jesus' name, amen.